This is episode 14 of Strength Agenda Radio, featuring Kevin Doherty of Castle Free Barbell Club. If you want to know where Ian Wilson, D'Angelo Osario, and countless other of our top lifters from California got their start, then Kevin is your guy. He has the youth weightlifting side on lockdown and has been pumping out talent year after year since he became a teacher at Lincoln High School in San Francisco. Before there was a talent ID system or a cry for a feeder program into USAW, there was Kevin Doherty and Hassle-Free Barbell Club. So if you want to know how to get more kids in the sport successfully, pull up a chair, get out your notebook, and give what Kevin has to say a listen. Now give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. Today's top of the show question is talking about cutting weight. I know I've touched on this before, but it's always a topic worth revisiting from time to time. The question goes a little something like this. I'm a new weightlifter and I'm cutting six kilos. For you, those of you who use freedom units, that's about 15 pounds uh, for her first meet or his first meet. I don't know. Um, I don't feel the best and I'm worried about my lifts suffering during the meet. What are your thoughts on a successful cut and how to plan for future meets? Thanks. Well, first things first, there are a few variables that I'm missing that won't allow me to give you my best answer. Um, how long do you have to cut for your current weight class? Um, and, and how small are you or how big are you? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, the smaller you are, that the, that's a higher significant portion of your body weight that you have to cut. And then the, the, the time that, you know, you have to cut is, you know, if you cut your weight too fast, you're going to most certainly lose your timing and you're going to lose your strength and your performance because the body has to make adjustments and, you know, get accustomed to the newer, lower body weight. So hopefully you have somebody guiding you through the process and it's not just some old school wrestler making you run around in garbage bags after training while spitting into a cup. That is highly not advised. Um, there are plenty of solid resources in this day and age that can help you successfully manage a cut. You know, whether it's our newly launched Strength Agenda Nutrition, RP Strength, Barbells and Bows, or Black Iron Nutrition, there's no lack of resources to help you handle a successful cut. Second, um, my advice to any new lifters, and you know, is never worry about cutting weight. Um, most of the time, when I get a new lifter, that and I mean new, like less than a year or maybe a year of training, you know, uh, the the snatch and the cleanager, they haven't done a ton of strength training along with it. They've just been doing you know heavy singles in the snatch and the cleanager. Um, a well structured program is going to put on weight for anybody that has a limited background in strength training. So why create more demons by pigeonholing yourself in a weight class and then you growing out of that class? You know, when people first start with me, you may put on 10 pounds after two or three months, and that's going to significantly change what weight class you compete in. Um, for me personally, I usually don't have my athletes focus on a particular weight class or cutting of any kind until they've been with me on or on my program for about six months. I highly recommend that you just focus on getting as strong and technically proficient in the lifts as possible and, you know, just grow into your body. You know, unless you're getting ready for, you know, trying to compete for a Nationals podium spot or American records or an international team, there's really no need to add another stressor to your meat prep by cutting weight. Just go out there and make your lifts. Um, there's a third part of this lift, and Kevin and I talk about a little bit about this in the, in the episode, is um, the IWF is changing weight classes come August. Um, per an agreement with the IOC to keep our Olympic eligibility or part of, of an agreement with the IOC, um, 
the IWF, which is our governing body for all weightlifting across the world, they have to restructure the weight classes, but they're not going to decide on those new weight classes till all the heads and the presidents of the different federations get together for a summit during the summer. Um, and then in August, they're going to release the new weight classes. This makes this year a little bit weird for competition because people are planning on certain weight classes, but about three quarters of the way through the year, we're going to have completely new weight classes. So that's going to make people have to readjust what class they compete in, their goals and their expectations for that last quarter of the year. So the last thing you want to do is cut to 63 kilos and then have them create a 67 kilo weight class, you know, creating a little bit of a, a, of a no man's land for you. So keep that in mind as well when you're trying to put yourself in a weight class, all right? In the end, you know, my advice to newer lifters is, you know, less stress is best. You know, you need to focus on, you know, making lifts, focusing on your technique, you know, focusing on being in the best position possible to, you know, have a six for six performance. Adding stressors that don't need to be there is going to do nobody any good. You know, th this isn't an all clear to eat like an asshole, though. You, you still need to fuel your body for performance properly. So my advice is if you're trying to manage a successful cut, find somebody that can help you navigate those waters. There's plenty of resources out there. And the other thing is don't put yourself in a box for a weight class. Um, the, the reason for this is, you know, by the end of the year, that box isn't going to exist anymore. So again, just don't make things harder on yourself than they have to be. All right, boys and girls, this might not come as a surprise to you, but I'm a bigger guy and I have been for years. I remember the first time I had to take one of those medical exams to get life insurance. I scored horribly. Not because I wasn't healthy or fit, but because traditional insurance companies evaluate your health on an outdated standard called the BMI. Newsflash, that's not a great indicator of health for somebody who lifts weights or works out on a regular basis. So I've partnered up with Health IQ because I 100% believe in what they're doing. Rather than going the traditional route, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that offers exclusive rates to those that can demonstrate they know what a healthy lifestyle is and prove it through various methods like their Health IQ quiz, data from your fitness apps, and other unique ways. The advantage of working with Health IQ is that their unique mortality model is based on ensuring the health conscious and that they have lower rates for health conscious people, like a good driver gets on savings with auto insurance, and unique underwriting, replacing the BMI with waist-to-hip ratio, cholesterol calculations, and other methods. Stop paying more than you need to, or worse, avoid getting life insurance altogether because you're afraid you won't qualify for great rates. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and that can be you too. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com agenda, or mention the promo code agenda when you talk to a Health IQ agent. According to studies, lifting reduces your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes, among other benefits, like, you know, having awesome videos to post on Instagram. But Instagram views and followers won't be able to help you save money on your life insurance. So head on over to healthiq.com to learn more and get your free quote today. Uh, today's guest is, in my opinion, one of the you know godfathers of getting the youth into the sport. Uh, our guest today is Kevin Doherty from Hassle-Free Barbell Club out in San Francisco. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. No problem. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So... For those who don't know who you are, who those who don't know who Kevin or those who don't know who Kevin is or Hassle Free Barbell Club, um, give us some background on yourself. How did you get involved in weightlifting? What was your athletic background? What do you do um, with the club and at the school and everything that you teach at? And then we'll just kind of let things go from there. Okay. Well, I mean, it started about actually 20 years ago now. Um, I had just graduated from uh, UC Davis, um, played a couple years of football there, um, wasn't very good, uh, but my brother was 
was pretty athletic. So <clears throat> I uh, went back to help at my old high school and really try to get guys motivated to get in the weight room, you know, into, into condition and, and things like that. And then um, the head coach sent me to, um, you know, a big football clinic. And I ended up walking into Tony Chirelli's uh, talk about, I think he was at that time, he was at Huntington Beach High School. And he had a couple videos about, you know, getting kids involved in the Olympic lifts. Um, but the thing that resonated the most with me is he had a whole parking lot full of kids doing the clean progression. And then he had a video of one of those kids, you know, cleaning 150 kilos and then running some guy over those, you know, three times his size on the football field. And at first I was like, hey, <laughs> after the talk, I went up and I'm like, how do I learn how to do this? So I had done cleans and stuff before, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't, you know, uh, the quality in which you want to teach somebody how to do it. It was oh, like ugly sure. power cleans. The starfish clean. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that, that bad, but you know, our kids, including my brother needed something more. Um, yeah. so he said, go see Jim Schmitz. Um, so I will be forever indebted to Jim Schmitz. Uh, trained with him for, you know, a couple months and then went back in the summer. But, I, you know, after about that was the talk was in December. In March, we, you know, we were still in the weight room January, February, March. But I was, you know, when I, I was done with gym in March, about, I did about three months at his gym religiously, just try to learn by doing. Yeah. Uh, and then kept training with him a little bit until because um, my brother would train with him during the summer full time going into his senior year after or before football practice. Um, and uh, and then I was at my alma mater for four years, had a relatively decent amount of success. The football, my last year, the football team uh, was nine and one and had nobody, nobody get hurt. Uh, we were lucky enough to have a guy that ended up going to the NFL. Um, you know, so we had, he had, we had some talent. We had 24 guys and nobody got hurt. That's um, awesome. And that's kind of, the most important thing, um, we did go to one youth nationals or two. We went to junior nationals in L.A. in 2001 and then youth nationals in 2002 in St. Louis. And then I switched schools because we we're doing too much Olympic weightlifting, according to the head coach. So I went over to the place I'm at now, which is Lincoln High School. And um, basically, we had no weight room. So I told uh, my buddy who's the head coach, I said, we got to lift outside. Yeah. So we lifted under the bleachers. It was about a hundred yard strip of cement. We put about twelve to fifteen wooden platforms down, and we lifted there until we, until we. Um, that was always where we lifted in the summer, mm -hmm. um, but we ended up getting a spot inside about six to nine months later, because yeah. I got there was the spring, so spring summer, we're outside, and then. Um, I think sometime over the summer or the fall, I convinced them to let us inside because it was raining. And it's like, hey, I can't have these guys outside lifting in the rain. Yeah, right. Um, you know, no place to store the equipment. Uh, so, it was, you know, that was David Garcia's first summer was outside. Really? Underneath the condemned bleachers. Thank God for the condemned bleachers because nobody could, nobody could go over there except for the guys lifting weights. Um and then, um, you know, two years later, I got a job there. And then in, so that was two, spring of 20, 
That was spring of 2003. And then our first youth nationals trip was summer of 2005. So two years later, um, when David Garcia was a junior, no, sophomore. So, yeah, exactly two years later, um, we had our first five guys go to youth nationals and um, do well, you know, not <clears throat> not awesome, 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 but we did well. Yeah. And then um, it was like that for a couple of years. It was It was the same group of guys, and we kept doing it. And then I started teaching PE. And then um, I think in 2008, no, 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 not 2008. When was that? I don't know, about three or four years into it when my brother was done with college. So my brother graduated from high school in 2000. So maybe 2006, 2007, he got a job. He was helping me with the kids at school. Then he got a job in Sacramento doing the same thing, except – actually bigger and better because he had this huge weight room inside and he yes. had three weightlifting classes of 60 kids. Yeah. Sack High has a huge weight room. Yeah. Which is no longer being utilized, sadly enough. What? Yeah. Because my brother's at another high school. Oh, that's that's correct. That's correct. I forgot. Yeah. So, you know, and that's that Donovan, Donovan uh, was kind of the first wave of guys. So, yeah, we've had wave after wave after wave. Um it's well, evolved to the point now where I teach four academics, first through fourth. Fifth period is my prep. Sixth period is weightlifting. After school is weightlifting, track, or football. And then right. uh, we have a YMCA program, so we have staff in the weight room if I'm not there because um, I'm gone a lot. And then um, <clears throat> we have 20 platforms, 22 platforms outside for my PE class and then five platforms inside for the weightlifting team. It's not very big. It's about 625 square feet, but well, but what you get done. So here's, here's how I, it's really funny how you mentioned how you got involved in this because, um, so for those who don't know, when I was out at CalStrain, Glenn invited me out there. Um, I was a PE teacher before that. And I had just rewritten the curriculum at the school I was at to be a fitness based template because the kids played a lot of sports outside of the school, and then all they did when they were in school was play sports, and I thought that was really dumb. Um, so I tried to diversify their experience. So I rewrote a fitness-based uh, curriculum, and then I went out to California, and I just kind of trained with Glenn and the guys for a week. Um, had really no intentions of doing Olympic weightlifting. Um, ended up getting invited out there to train full-time, and I handed in my letter of resignation in the middle of the school year. I'm like, I'm out. I'm going to go try this. So I left, and the very first meet I did was at Lincoln High School. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. and I did not know that. So, yeah, it was it was one of the, 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 the spring meets or whatever, because that's when that was the year Nationals were at the Arnold. That's right. That's 2008. Yeah. No, 12. 12. Oh, okay. That was the second time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting ready. Like, I'm going up to this meet or whatever, and it was funny because I remember walking th- – to I think it was the back of the school where we had to go in for the meet. Yeah. And out in the parking lot, you had like 20 or 30 kids out there just working out, just, you know, lifting, doing cleans and snatches and all that stuff. And they all had like their hassle-free, either like the shorts or the shirt on or whatever. And then they or some had the Lincoln High clothes on, whatever. And I was just like looking and I was like, what is going on? And, and uh, Jacob Sipkin was with me and goes, oh, that's his PE class. I was like, that's his what? 
And so he started, they all started explaining to me what you did. And like, I remember immediately I called, you know, my wife later that night and I'm like, when we open up our own gym, like, that's what we have to do. That's how you do it. <laughs> like, I'm like, that is how it's got to get done. I was like, that, I, was like, I was like, Beth, it's amazing. I was like, he's got, you know, this and this and this and this and this. And I don't think it, it was months, maybe even a year before I actually talked to you and your brother. Um, because Glenn actually lived closer to Sakai. Oh, wow. And we went up there for a meet. Um, just the the Kevin and I went up there for a meet. And so, because Glenn lived in Tracy, which was about... Yeah, which is east of Cal Strain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were, like I said, we were only about 30 minutes or so from Sacramento. So we would, we went up there for a meet one time, and we hung out with D'Angelo and David and your brother and all that in the Sac High weight room. And so I just started asking away. I was like, how do you guys do this kind of a deal? Because there were a bunch of kids working out in the weight room during that meet as well. And yeah, I was just, David, David went to UC Davis, and my brother coached him for four years. Yeah. Until he, you know... Moved back home and then yeah, he it, made it, the world team and then moved to the training center. Yeah, and that was also how I had heard of Donovan because um, Donovan came from or Sacramento. lived out in Sacramento. Yeah, so it was just it was really cool to like hear all that, and it's just it's funny to hear how mention you how, or mention you say how you got involved versus how I, you know, started to do to to like get the wheels turned on coaching weightlifting because it was the same thing. I just saw a bunch of kids, um, like I said, it was a bunch of high school kids, and I think and that, that's it kind of all it is. You know, it's. What's hard for me now is the amount of kids in. Oh yeah. So like the bandwidth, right? So my brother's weightlifting classes are a little bit more organized because there's. He's got all athletes. Yeah. I have athletes, but then I have some regular kids, which is fine. I'm all for like no, no barriers to introduction to weightlifting. You know, Absolutely. I'll take the kid. I have two kids that are like two girls that are in the play, right? Yeah. So they have to have six period. And they don't want to run, so they just lift. And they actually, they do really well, but they're never going to be weightlifters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're just there for their PE credit. My brother, on the other hand, has, like, all athletes all day. And in PE, his kids are actually far better than mine. Like, his whole football team is so much stronger than mine because he gets them for three years in a PE class. I only yeah. get them for, like, a year. Um, and then we get them in the summer, and they're okay. I mean, they could be a lot better which yeah. is hopefully what's going to happen this coming up this year. Last year, we were, two years ago, we were really, really good in the weight room. But I had more, I only had eight or nine seniors that were just gung-ho. Yeah. So, but where we have a somewhat of an advantage is we have a community program that starts right after the YMCA is over, or actually starts at the same time. Mm -hmm. So somebody like yourself, anytime from three to nine, we have a permitted uh, act, weightlifting activity where the public can come and work out. That's awesome. So Tom Stroka can roll off the public transportation or drive in and just come in and train with, you know, the crew that's there now, which is like Seth Tom and Kuinini Manamua and, and, and her brother. And, you know, you come in and you're like, oh, that person's going to Junior Worlds. Oh, that person was a medalist at Youth Worlds. Oh, that person's an American record holder. Oh, that like 13 year old girl is like stronger than everybody on the football team. She's 25 time American record holder, you know? So they're young, but they're very, very elite's not the right word. Like, yes, they're a pretty elite weightlifters, but they're very like technically uh, polished. They're weightlifters, even though yeah. they're young, 
yeah. everybody in there. Like, because you can't go inside weight room unless you've lifted at a weightlifting meet. Oh, see, that's awesome. You yeah. know, so you've lifted at a weightlifting meet in, 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 at Lincoln. So you're clear to lift inside. Otherwise, you'd be lifting outside with all the idiots. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. for those who, like I said, again, aren't 100% aware of hassle-free and the extensiveness of the club, just name some of the athletes that have come up and through the program that people will be aware of. Um, okay, so that's a good question. Wave one was like David Garcia and Donovan Ford. Um, wave two was, um, I would say, all my brother's youth guys, like the Kyle Salees and the Savangs, like 2009, 2010 youth and junior world guys. Mm -hmm. Wave three was like Choma, Savang, uh, D'Angelo, Osorio. Ian Wilson had started back when David was lifting. So Ian and Ian and D'Angelo have been there for 10 years. So they're like part of every wave. Yeah. Um, Ian Wilson does not train at the high school, but he is on our team because he's like friends with all our kids. And I try to do the best that I can to try to help him at every national and international meet. And, you know, so far he's he's done pretty well. Um, I would say so. I I wish I mean selfishly I wish I could see him and D'Angelo a little bit more. Um, yeah. So I could you know I just feel like I could probably help a little bit, but that's they're adults now. Um, wave. We're on the fifth wave now, so wave four is still you know is is uh, Jenny Lamb's in there. Wave two, wave three. She's coaching now. She's been to Junior Worlds. Um, and then the wave now is the two kids that went to Youth Worlds, Kuanini Manamua and Seth Tom, and then Julia Yun, who's 13. She's, I think, the youngest girl ever to clean and jerk 100. She clean and jerked 100 at 12 years old. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, or no, 13. She had just turned 13. Um, and then her friend uh, Haley Trin. And obviously, you know, we have a lot of kids, we have a lot of people that get help, like what I call remote help. So somebody like Jenny Arthur, like I helped Jenny Arthur, I've helped her since 2011, mm -hmm. but I only help her at meets. Like I'm not programming for her, I'll give her a couple, she'll send me a lot of stuff and I'll make very, very small suggestions because it's very hard to, I don't want to change anything when yeah. somebody's already coaching her um, or working with her and it's not really my place. So, but when it comes down to like go to the world championships or, you know, in her case, the Olympics, she's like, Hey, can you help me? And I was like, of course, I'll help you as long as I can, as long as yeah. my time permits. So we have guys, uh, girls like Jenny Arthur, uh, Mary Peck, who's uh, Pan Am, <clears throat> who was at the Pan Ams this year. Um, so she's up from Sacramento. So she was, you know, training at Sac State with her friend. And I'm like, hey, why don't you join our team? We can probably help you. I helped her at the Arnold of all places in 2015. Um, no, yeah, 2015. And it went really well. And she's like, oh, I just like having you in the back. So I started helping her. And Paul had been helping, my brother Paul had been helping her. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a little of who's who. So whoever's the, the people that are lifting now that are representing that are associated with us is uh, Ian and D'Angelo and uh, and Donovan still Donovan's going to lift at the Arnold. Mary Peck's going to lift at the Arnold. Jenny Arthur's going to lift at the Arnold. Arnold. Jenny Lamb is going to lift at the Arnold. Um, 
And then those youth kids who are really good. Megan Siegert, she's on the junior world team. She's a junior American record holder. So, you know, and then we have some master lifters that are like record holders that are great because they're women, they're in great shape. And it's like, it shows our young women and young men that you can lift, they're 40-ish. Mm -hmm. You can lift at a high level for a very long time. So, you know, we just, we've been very blessed to have a lot of help yeah. um, and a lot of good people come through and, um, you know, just constantly trying to find the next group of kids. Um, the group I'm excited about, we have, we have, I don't know, we have five nine-year-olds Yeah. that you, have been to weightlifting meets that are yeah, like... You, you were telling me about some of them at, at uh, in Anaheim. Well, there was, yeah, the one girl, there was the one girl that was in the session with my lifter that you said is going to be phenomenal. Um, yeah, the, the two 13-year-old girls were like... Yeah. The ones that went to Peru. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like opened up with the American record. Like how crazy yeah. is that, right? Your first attempt is an American record. Um, so, and they came together. I got the one girl came because of her sister. Yeah. Was on the volleyball team. So she's 10. And she's 69 kilos at 10 years old. It's like, <laughs> you're probably not going to be the world's greatest volleyball player. Yeah, right. You might be really, really good at weightlifting. And, yeah, you know, for sure. Three years later, she's broken. She's the American record holder like 25 times over. That's that's phenomenal. and then she brought her buddy in, who brought her brother in, you know, like yeah. Oh well, that's I mean that's the thing I notice is like for instance we we I have a group of um, I have a group of boys and they they all work out at a park district. Um, they just all graduated high school like within the last two three years, and two of them came in when we were at the other facility, and they went through like our they they originally went through like the crossfit foundations and all that saw us lifting in the corner and they're like yeah no i want to do that came over started working out with us and then they told another one of their buddies and then he came you know last year and then we have two more of his buddies that have reached out i mean that's in my opinion the best way to grow a weightlifting team is you get word of mouth you get these kids that like a couple of my students from my school wandered into the gym and it was just because they saw me posting videos of our girls lifting. Yeah. And they're like, like can wanna... you get kids from the school to get signed up for your gym? Yeah. I have a couple okay. that are signed up. Um, we, some of them do the sports performance. Some of them do the weightlifting. Um, the one girl doesn't do the weightlifting right now because she's in two volleyball clubs. You were telling she's... me about her. And so but she's, but when volleyball club season's over, like in the summer, you're trying to get her to youth nationals. She wants to go. She wants Good. to go to youths that are in Grand Rapids. It's just, she's just one of those, she doesn't like running. She doesn't like cardio. But she was like, but her mom wanted her to like do something that involved, you know, staying athletic while she wasn't in a sport. And so she saw that, you know, I have a bunch of girls lifting. She goes, I'll just go lift with Mr. Sorokin on. And it's really cool because now like other girls are starting to ask her about it. And they're reaching out about the gym and stuff. That's the best way to do it. But my question for you is, for people that are listening, somebody that wants to get a weightlifting club started at a high school, what is the best way to go about it? Now, obviously, like you said, um, not everybody has, like, their abandoned bleachers, a 100-foot concrete strip or whatever. But, like, just what are some building blocks that you can kind of start implementing with like a PE program or with like an athletic program at a high school to just kind of create that feeder system. So, I mean, the biggest thing I think is like you and I, we're teachers, right? So either if you're, if you're not a teacher, you better be like a coach, a volunteer coach at the school. So you have some type of standing there. And then what we started with was we started using weightlifting to do strength and conditioning for our sports. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of naturally generates into, oh, 
we have say 20 kids from the from the basketball team lifting or whatever and then or the football team and then that turns into oh we have five people that aren't playing a spring sport they want to keep lifting so they end up that slowly becomes your weightlifting team but you have to have an in at the school you have to have what i did my first six months there i volunteer taught the athletic conditioning class so i did somebody else's job for free for six months yeah and then i did somebody else's job for free for another two years until i got the job and then you know obviously I didn't do it myself, but we had, you know, you got to have some capital in which to, you know, spend to get all the bars and the weights and stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. we're at a point now where I don't own any of the equipment. The club has basically raised enough money to buy it back from me over the last five years because now we have it's free. Nothing costs any money. But I always tell people I expect a donation. It is expected something. Because yeah. it's on a semester system. So it's like if you're, you know, I don't know what your gym costs, but probably let's say it's $150 a month to work out there. Mm-hmm. Well, if somebody's not paying $150 a month and they're at school from January to June for the first semester, I would hope that they would be able to kick in at least 100 bucks. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So so I always tell them it's anywhere between $5 and 5000 <laughs> We've never had anybody, well, well, actually it's anywhere from $5 one dollar to ten thousand now, because we've had a couple people put in uh, five thousand bucks. Um, oh wow! Yeah, not only for weightlifting, but I'm the head track coach, so yeah. you know, Tom Strobel so, comes up and needs a new pair of throwing shoes. He just goes to the closet and takes them and gets you know the best yeah. of the best for free. So, how many of so, so, so like the bread and bones you were talking about like a strength and conditioning program for the high school like it's primarily just like you program for your weightlifters snatches cleans squats pulls yeah um do, do you deviate any from that at all for like your your, it's, your sports or do you just stick to the the basics so it's it's even more simple than that so um like a typical day for so there's when you walk into the weight room there's the pe youth one and two mm-hmm. so one is the clean progression and one is the snatch progression that's all we do in PE. Oh, okay. And in terms of the progression, we're talking about, let's say it's the cleans, it's front squat. Well, it's military press, front squat, front squat with a press. Um, front squat's just like an evaluation. Yeah. Once, once, we, once we've done that, like we don't need to do it anymore, so we go from military press to front squat with a press. Clean from the mid, clean from the knee, clean from the floor, clean pull, and then back squat. And then we flip it for the snatches. So anything in PE, which is a lot of athletes, yeah. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have 100 kids. Most of them are athletes. They're getting one progression. Maybe not all of it, right? So yeah. as we as we delve deeper into the semester, we're going to skip clean from the mid. And be like, okay, guys, today we're doing, on the racks, we're doing, um, we're doing back squats uh, with a press as our warm-up on the platforms, front squat with a press, and then we're going clean from the knee and then clean from the floor. And then on the on the racks, we're doing push press and then back squat. And then nice. we switch. So we do like 10 to 12-minute increments, and then we switch. Nice. Um, inside is a weightlifting program. That's it. Like, it's program for weightlifting. So, like, yeah. right now, we're in a strength phase. So we're doing sets of fives and fours in the squats. We're doing pull plus, uh, power plus squat, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> when it gets down to football and track, the two things that I have control over – and then my buddy coaches wrestling, so he's teaching PE with me. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be on the same thing. Uh, as, as is cross country, 
basketball's already kind of taken care of with athletic conditioning. So we're we're looking at girls flag uh, girls flag football, regular football, track and field, cross country, and wrestling. So nice. five, you know, pretty big sports. Yeah. All we do during the season, if and this is like as part of practice, because a lot of kids already get this during PE. Um, our obviously our first job is to teach them how to lift. Mm-hmm. So they're going to front squat, they're going to press, and they're going to clean from the knee. And then they're going to clean. Uh, we don't even do a, and then we do clean pulls, not, you know, not clean deadlift. And so like a clean related um, in season strength and conditioning program. Yeah. Yeah. In the summer is when we do our summer camp where kids go back through for a first, second, third, fifth time. And we do the snatch and cleaner jerk progression on opposite days with a strength day on Wednesday, like squats and pulls and military press. That's so awesome. we'll go workout one, which is the clean progression. Workout two, which is the snatch progression. Workout three is our strength recovery. So if you're coming in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're getting your clean, your strength, and then Friday is the snatch progression. We'll invert the Thursday, Friday. So it'll be like a symmetric workout. Mondays and Fridays are cleans progression tuesday thursday snatch progression um and then wednesday's our strength strength day so if somebody comes monday wednesday friday they're getting all three tuesday and thursday is kind of like extra gotcha so you were talking about like other coaches that get involved and stuff like that now are they i know the term certified gets thrown yeah do they just kind of study under you or did you do you you like ask them to go take the usaw level one course like how did they get taught like caught up on that's a really good question we're really lucky, right? So I've been there, shit, 15 years now, right? Yeah. So the guy that the two guys that helped me the most are one is a former lifter who took a hiatus like for 10 years to figure out life. He's 30. They're both 30. Um, he's the baseball coach. Okay. So the baseball guys are on our same workout. So now we got baseball, football. You know, add another sport, right? Baseball. He programs for them, but it's very, it's it's almost the same. But they they have different workout times because. Um, because of his schedule, he's in the weight room the longest. There will be some days where he's in there from three to nine, and he doesn't get paid. That's just kind of his passion. Yeah, he's living at home. I mean, I think he he makes some money coaching, um, but like he's a taekwondo instructor. He's like you know he he makes money personal training. Let's just call it that. Yeah, with all this other stuff, he does not have like a full time job. His job is to coach. Uh, and then so he volunteers at school um, and then that's when the adults come in. So he takes care of the adults or, you know, he's a, anybody who comes in after six who's not training for like junior worlds or youth worlds. They're they're working out with Coach Steve, which is great. He does a fantastic job. Ben, this guy, Ben Wall, who used to coach track with me. He was a distance guy. He coaches. He helps me coach. um like the kids who are going to all the national meets. Now, what's been really nice is over the last six months, Steve, the baseball coach, has come in to help me with my PE class, thus then helping me coach the better weightlifters because mm-hmm. he has more availability during the summer. Yeah. So now it's kind of, I write the program, Steve and Ben will make very small changes or have suggestions, and we all kind of watch the kids lift. So I've taken a, like, Let's say I've taken a half step back. They're all still in my PE class at some point. Yeah. So, you know, like I can't do it all by myself. Oh, absolutely. Um, on top of that, from three to five, we have 
three former lifters and current lifters that are the YMCA staff at like 14 bucks an hour, but they're there just to help me coach all the new kids too. So if I have a brand new kid, Tom Stroka sends me his god nephew from San Francisco who's at some middle school, right? Like, or, you know, who ends up at my high school and knows nothing about weightlifting. They will start with the YMCA stuff. Unless yeah. it's the summer, um, I'm, you, I'm probably not the first person they're going to have yeah. interaction with. They'll see me. I'll introduce myself. I'll tell them they should be on the weightlifting team just like everybody else. But somebody else will take them through the PE progression. Like if they want me to coach them, they're coming to my class. Yeah. If they're eight years old, they got to go through the YMCA or go through Coach Steve because that's kind of what he's there for. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm out of track practice or I'm out of football practice. Yeah. So, um, so we have, in essence, six coaches. So at the American Open, we had me, of course, um, at least from the San Francisco side, me, Ben, Steve, Jenny, and this guy, JC Meltionson, and Larry. Those are the three. Yeah, we had six. And then on my brother's side, he has three or four people that, that help him. One, one in particular, this guy, uh, Dave Swanson, who's retired, um, who helped him at Sac High. He's been helping him for 10 years. That's why it seems like there's so many coaches when we go to meets because it's not only everybody from my side, but it's also everybody from Paul's side. So it's well, at least you, five of us. Yeah, I mean, you guys always, <laughs> you guys always just seem like a, a super team at like meets and stuff like that, but it's not really. It's just the two sides getting to work together and all yeah, that. Yeah, especially at Youth Nationals. My brother brings a whole boatload of kids. Yeah. Um, so for me, this year, we have 20 kids that are eligible for Youth Nationals from my side. Yeah. Um, and there are certain parameters they have to meet. They're all qualified, but, yeah. um, you know, they got to make X amount of workouts. And then, you know, it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, you got to, before I used to book all the tickets and do all that. Now it's like, here's where, here's how I'm traveling. You got to get online and book it. And I'll, the club usually takes care of the registration and the, um, and the hotel. Nice. And so, dinner. so in terms of um, like funding for all that stuff, how do you guys, how do you guys go about that? Because obviously, like the school doesn't pay for everything, um, or hardly probably anything at all. If I know how most public school systems work, um, they want to try. Most schools are trying to cut costs, and you got this program that's grow, growing and all that stuff. Are you guys yeah. operate as like a nonprofit or? No. So we yes, yes and no. Uh, we have the Abraham Lincoln High School. We have the ASB account, which is. People can donate to that. Okay. Uh, the school has been buying the weights. Yeah. So we got, so at first I owned everything. Then the yeah. P department started buying stuff. When they do every year, they buy about two to $3,000 worth of bumpers. Uh, they have not bought anything this year. I have not asked them to because the assistant principal bought a couple Elico sets. So he's he's been he's been helping me the last three years ever since he started using the weight room. So as like inside, we have three full sets of Elico starting from five kilo to 20 kilo bars. So four bars and four full sets of weights, uh, three full sets of weights. So I've been able to transition some of the stuff outside. Um, You know, I imported a bunch of bulldog weights. So the the PE coach ended up, the head PE department bought like 3,000, let's say $3,000 worth last year. Um, uh, 
and then this year the the you know the school bought all the track uniforms i mean it's they're starting to help more and more for mm -hmm. the weightlifting weightlifting i have an annual fundraiser fundraising dinner for my birthday and people just donate money so last year we that's awesome we we raised like eleven thousand dollars at at my dinner that's awesome um you know there's a couple people that put in a couple grand which really helps yeah and then for track i have a lady that donates money five thousand bucks every year with a match and then we have one woman on the weightlifting team who's a master's lifter who works at Microsoft, and she's very generous, and Microsoft has been matching the last couple of years. That's awesome. So, and then we have, you know, your mandatory donation, which is funny. It's like a donation, but it's mandatory. My big thing yeah. is if everybody is a participant, it just makes it a lot easier. For sure. So, like, this semester that comes, you know, the semester donations that come in, it's already earmarked for junior nationals, and then to help the girls that went to Peru. Yeah. You know, I told the parents I wanted to split that with them because I thought that was the fairest thing because we've never had anybody really pay to lift internationally. This was kind of this was kind of a different deal. It was kind of an invitational, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, and it was the right call because they went 11 for 12 with like, you know, seven American records and they each won nine medals. You know, they're awesome. That was yeah, they did, they did great at that meet. Yeah, they're the youngest kids there, you know. It was a great representation for, and you know, and Phil Andrews went, the CEO, and Coach Ben was funded to go down and coach. And then Dean Goad, whose mom's an Olympian, went and, and, and pulled out a good total. And, and this uh, girl from Chicago, Allie Raymond. Yeah. Or Abby yeah. Raymond. Abby. I was going to say Abby. Yep, she um, and, you know, she's kind of like my girls. She's in eighth grade. She's really, really good, but she's still an eighth grader. It's yeah. like we need to manufacture some success and some positive experiences so that when she gets back around to trying to make this youth Pan Am team, she's, like, had some adversity before and, 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 doesn't, and doesn't get all worried about, like, oh, my God, it's an international meet, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So you were talking about building confidence with these kids, like, how what what do you do to do that like in your club like so one of the biggest things that i've noticed with working with some youth lifters and seeing other people where is keeping them engaged long enough to see the results so and you were talking i, th I think it was you telling me a story uh, well, way back when um the first time choma went to a youth i don't know if it was a national event or a youth national event she wasn't i wouldn't say all, i wouldn't say she wasn't dedicated but she wasn't all in until she went to like this bigger event saw all the other girls and stuff like that. I, I think it was an international event. No, your, 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 your memory is incredibly acute. Yeah. Uh, the 2009 Junior Nationals. Yeah. She did 70 and 92 or 68 and 92. She made the youth world team. Yeah, and that was kind of her, Right. I want to do this. Like Yes, and then, so, and then from juniors into, what was that, juniors 2009? Yeah. So in three years, she went from 68 and 92 to, to 104 and 145. Yeah. She was, uh, I mean, I, I remember watching her at the 2012 trial. She was. Yeah, she was second. wave. She was wave two and three. Yeah. I mean, she went to three world championships and uh, she went, you know, she she finished second in the state in the shot put. She went to Cal. Yeah. She's a teacher now. That's awesome. Um, she's a teacher in Detroit. I mean. Her sisters, her sisters came to Lincoln 
um, you know, I made, I, she'll be the first one to, to tell you, I made a lot of mistakes coaching her. Um, you know, she started when she was 16. She started really late. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm still kicking myself in the pants for not going out and, you know, finding her earlier. Um, she was tried out for basketball and, like, hurt her knee. It's like, where was I to stop her from doing that and to yeah, get right. her to throw the shot? You know, she threw the shot 50 feet in high school with a season and a half, maybe. Jeez. Yeah. That's she started throwing, like, her sophomore year and was still playing softball her junior year. And then her senior year, I'm like, dude, you got to stop. You're going to get a scholarship in, yeah. in, in track and field. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so how do you keep these, how do you keep the youth, like girls in particular, but like the youth in general, like what do you do to get them engaged, kind of let them see that, is it just them being around all those accomplished lifters like you were talking about earlier? Or is there just, is it just I think, how I think, you yeah. structure? I think there's a structure. Sorry yeah. for cutting you off. No, no, I you're think fine. The, the community has a structure. Yeah. And it evolves, right? So something new we did the past uh, couple meets is we have quarterly meets. We yeah. have the hassle-free, you know, spring breaker, summer breaker, fall breaker, and winter breaker. Yep. So the day before those meets, we now have, uh, it's you know, it's like football, right? Friday night lights. Yeah. Since our permit is valid through 9 o'clock, and I don't want to charge the kids. We lift, we lift on the last day of the semester. So, for example, we lifted Thursday after the uh, summer breaker meet. I mean, the winter breaker meet. So we just we lifted Thursday. We lifted on a Thursday night. We got all everybody. It was a sanctioned meet. It was all part of the same sanction, right? And then just we were able to get I don't know twenty two kids to lift at a meet. And not yeah. have to come on Saturday and not have to pay, yeah, right, 50 bucks and, and all this stuff, right? And I think that kind of feeds on itself. So, for yeah. example, when we go to youth nationals, the last day of school is eight, day, eight days before youth nationals. Or let's even go even back. Spring breakers is a Saturday. Well, mm -hmm. spring break starts on Saturday. So why, I'm not going to have the kids lift during spring break. Yeah. We're going to lift. We're going to lift. um on that Thursday or whatever. On that Friday. Yeah, Friday. exactly. And it's just, you know, that you've been there. The ROTC room is right next to the weight room. Yeah. It's, so school's it's, over at 315. Yep. The meet starts at 5. I got an hour and 30 minutes to, to, to set up the meet. It's essentially like, you know, an after-school track meet or whatever that yeah. you guys got going on. It, it's exactly what it is. And then, um, you know, I just, I just think we have an awesome community now. Yeah, you, and, you really. Uh, the challenge is for me is to keep them all going in the right direction. Absolutely. So, hey, if we're going to have juniors, then let's get a crew to go to the Arnold. Yeah. And from the Arnold, everybody should lift at the Spring Breaker for fun. Yeah. And then let's pick a meet. You know, let's let's lift at the Summer Breaker, but uh, let's also think about going somewhere else to lift in a meet. You know, because between January and Mar, uh, January and June, it's it's also track. And we've had, you know, we've had a lot of success in track, so I have to keep coaching track. I'm the head track coach. Yeah. So, so you keep mentioning the Arnold. I wanted to ask you about this. What are your thoughts on the American Open Series and what it's done for weightlifting in terms of more national meets, more exposure 
to like big time meets for those lifters who might not get a chance to go to nationals or the American Open finals yeah. or anything like that. Like, what are your thoughts on what USAW is trying to do with these meets? So, um, I think it's good. I think the schedule is not fantastic. Yeah. Um, I am a firm believer in, um, I think the nationals should be a full week and all age groups. And I think we should have an AO in the spring, an AO in the fall. I think an AO in the summer is like a duplication of the youth nationals and the senior nationals. It's just, I think eventually it'll be too much. Mm -hmm. And then I think we need to have like uh, a finals, but the finals need to do a better job of incorporating all age groups. Yeah. Um, so you invite the top, there's a standard for everybody, or maybe you have to lift to a certain standard. I don't think somebody lifting at the, I don't think there should be a E session at the American open finals. No, I think I, anybody uh... above, let's say 90% of the American record, in their in their weight class you know obviously you want to have a certain standard for the adults right mm -hmm. but uh for example i looked at the results so i have this unique ability since i'm coaching kids of all age groups to have a different perspective right i had to and 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 to phil's credit phil andrews he was able to create a system where my best 13 and under american record holders got into the meet but they only got into the meet because people declined like if we're going to have the American open the last chance to break American records, there's so many people. Now you're 13 and under American record holders. You're 15 under American record holders. You're 17 and under American record holders should all have access or people that are in that, in that group should have access to lifting. So it's almost like you would want to have, um, multiple, uh, totals. So let's say, for example, in the 58 plus category mm -hmm. for 13 and under, the American records are pretty high. Yeah. Right? They're my girl, the Julia girl. Well, you know, maybe next year it's 90%. Maybe it's 90% of all the American records and then everybody above a certain total. So that's somebody who's not like, like at the senior level. Let's say you start lifting again, right? And you're lifting mm -hmm. pretty good weights and you're in the you know, 105 plus and you're doing whatever, 150 and 190, you get a chance to lift at the American Open final because, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a legitimate total. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have everybody. You have it by age group. So, like, yeah. it's, you can, because for the series, they have those different age group totals and I think it works great, right? You have your youth totals, you have your senior totals, and you have your master's totals. So you want that included at the final. So I think the final could be a combination, but a little bit harder. Gotcha. So 90%, it could be, it would turn into an American record holder meet. It would be the, the American Open final, you know, which would basically mean like the American record final. And you could yeah. have that for, I didn't even think about throwing the Masters in there, but you could, you could throw in the mat and then, on Friday is all the youth and the masters and on Saturday and Sunday is all the, the more elites. There were only two youth boys that made the trip to lift at the American open final. Think about that two. Yeah. There were, there were 350 men that lifted two youth. 
my guy, Seth Tom, and then another kid. So going in for this youth Pan Am team, we only have two kids on the ranking. Like, juniors is the last opportunity for them to get ranked. Yeah. Like, we're just, um, you know, and it's too big. Like, if you do 90% of the American record holder, that gets, I mean, that gets rid of a lot of people, but it becomes more elite. Yeah, for sure. You know? What's the American record in the 105s? West Kits, right? Like, or 390? Yeah. 90% yeah. of 390 is, is, is still 350. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, you got to do 350. There were 10 guys that did 350 this year. Yeah, there were a lot of guys. Right? That, yeah. And now, now you may not have all 10 show up, but, like, then you combine them with the 105s. Yeah. You know, you take Shane's records, and it's like, okay. Maybe it's not 90% because Shane's records always would. Like his best total was like 420 something. Yeah. One, yeah. 197, I, and, but he never did them together, right? Yeah. So, no, I think he did, I think he did like 190 or 192 and a half. And then he so did the anybody over 370. Yeah. You look at it, right? And there were five guys that did 370. Okay. Well, great. You have your last session of the day on that Sunday. Is everybody doing more than 350? Yeah. Do you really need a super doing 315 going to the American Open final? Does that really help us? When they yeah. could go to the AO3 or the AO Spring. And then it gives everybody kind of like a, if you're a Nationals lifter, right? Let's say you're a Donovan Ford. You're lifting at certain meets to make international teams. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Nationals is in the middle of the year. So let's say he makes the Pan Am team. Well, he lifts at the Pan Am. He doesn't lift at the Nationals. Like what's more important, right? But let's say he does. He chooses to skip the Pan Ams because he doesn't want to lift at the Pan Ams because he's focused on Worlds. Then he lifts at Nationals in June. If he makes the team in June, he's got five months to get ready for the World Championships. Now, he could obviously get bumped at the last one, AO3, right? Yeah. Which is good. But at least you have a solid footing. You go and you blow it out of the water in, in, in late June, you're not having to turn back around in 12 weeks and try to to beat your own total yeah you can if you're on the bubble but then if not you're just training or you're going to ao3 as a training meet yeah exactly you know it's just it spreads things out a little bit more it, like you know donovan's a perfect example because he's a little bit older he lifted really yeah. well at the ao2 no way he was going to turn around to ao3 and make the team it was yeah, six sure. weeks later yeah now the ao2 had really been the nationals and it's hard to change these things big, you know, these big changes, right? Yeah. But imagine if you're a teacher like me and you go to the nationals and on Monday is the 13 and under, Tuesday, 14, 15, Wednesday, 16, 17, Thursday, 20 and under, Friday, 25 and under, Saturday, Sunday, senior nationals. But that's like the best of the best because everybody else has been taken out of the equation the first five days. And then that's that you're you're there for a week, but it's the summer. You got the day, you got the week off, and if you're anybody else, you're gonna take a week off of work. You're already taking three days off of work, anyways. Most of these people are traveling on Wednesday. Yeah, I'd rather miss a week in the summer than 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 four or five weekends for AO one, AO three. You know, the, then those are then yeah. those become more regional or you know <clears throat> choice events. You know, like the AO1 should be the last chance, Junior Worlds and Youth Pan Am Qualifier, along with all the other stuff, right? Like, hey, AO1, blow it yeah. out huge, thousand people to Arnold. But on Saturday night is your elite, is your youth 
and junior world team tryouts. Right? So you don't have, I, me, Kevin Doherty, if I have all these kids, I'm only going to certain things and I'm only going at certain times. I'm not being asked to go to eight national meets. For sure. Just to try to qualify a kid on Friday and Sunday. Like, why aren't they lifting, you know, AO3 was a perfect example. We had eight kids go. We had five of them break American records. They lifted three different days. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's the beginning of the school year. It's like, I did it because the kids are really good, but it's like. Yeah, that was definitely, yeah. The timing of that was definitely weird, especially, like I said, you said being a teacher and all that. The school year is only about a month in, and you're like, hey, I got to leave for a couple days. But if you know, like, if you just know that, like, it's broken up the way, you know. And AO3 was a perfect time for the senior world. But let's have the best of the best lift on, you know, a Saturday night, like, every time, you know. Or Sunday night or whatever, however you want to do it. Like, but then it's like a set schedule. And you're not burning. I'm worried they're going to burn the refs out. Yeah, that is that is. A they go to all the meets. Yeah, you got Masters meets and Masters Worlds and Masters Pan Ams, and then we had two senior international meets comboed with the American Open on our home soil. I'm really lucky. I'm a teacher. I missed ten days of work for the World Championships, and I told my wife I lost a hundred bucks. Yeah, I, I took ten sick days. Right, so two were unpaid, but I got. Uh, professional development hours and I only lost ten dollars uh, hundred dollars hundred ten dollars there you go but like who can do that yep I might be the only person in the United States that has that ability yep. like that's not fair you know it's just not the most uh, strategically smart thing to do yeah speaking of best of the best um, last thing before we go into our lightning round here um, how, how do you, how does this quad look? How do you project this quad? Like uh, me personally, I'm really excited seeing what we've seen in this first year of it. Um, what, what, what do you think about where the USAW is heading in this next quad going into, uh, 2020? Well, I'm somewhat torn, um, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. I think, and I got to give Phil a lot of credit. I got a phone call with him tomorrow. I think, <clears throat> We did such a good job when he was the director of events and was in, was uh, involved in high performance of doing a lot of things for the different age groups. Yeah. And ever since the Olympics, there's been a push to really help the senior level lifters mm-hmm. uh, in which we're very lucky. We have a couple of youth and junior boys and girls that are in that senior pack. So you, your CJ, your Harrison your Megan Seeger, your Haley Reichardt, you know, your Jordan Dela Cruz type of kids. So they are getting, they are primed and ready to go. My fear is like, we're all the 15 and 16 year old kids for the next quad now, right? So take care of this quad now. And, but where is the forward planning for the younger group, the next wave, right? Cause That's I think about it like at school. Yeah. And then for this wave, you know, like, I, I have a unique perspective. I'm very torn, you know, yeah. like, for example, D'Angelo. How, besides the people that are helping him, how is USA Weightlifting planning? Um, or what is the plan? Like, what is the plan for a D'Angelo Osorio that, that needs a little bit of help, as we all do? Um 
along with Ian Wilson and Wes Kitts, so they're not like destroyed by the end of the four years, right? Yeah. Is there a master plan? Is there, is there, you know, is that spelled out somewhere, right? Like Wes Kitts had a great world championships. Okay, Wes, we want you to lift at the Pan Ams. You obviously your total is going to count for the next five months. Let's let's all be on the same page and and, and, and understand how you're gonna train for the Pan Ams. D'Angelo, you trying to make the Pan Am team. What's your next nine weeks look like? Ian, you just got done with the knee surgery, right? Eight months ago. You made the senior world team. Good job. You've been training really well. Do you need some time off? Do you need three months of recovery? We don't need you for the Pan Ams, we need you for the worlds. Right, because there's going to be new weight classes, and there might be a 113 or a 112, and guess what? That fits Ian Wilson perfectly. Yeah. So I'm really excited by the amount of talent, right? Mm-hmm. Or the amount of the the I I distinct between, now between ability and talent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ability out there. Is is yet to be seen if there's a lot of talent. Gotcha. Right. So you look at the world championships, half the people did well, half the people did not so well, which is fine. That's normal. It's not like a negative thing. But, you know, how are you working with Harrison, who did really, really well, and then supporting CJ after, you know, if he had a tough time in the clean and jerk, and then helping Wes, who had the meat of his life, but then also supporting Ian, who who had a tough go, but grinded out a total and, and was doing like 380 in the gym before. Yeah. How are we all working together up until 2020 where it's like, hey, guys, you're all on your own, man. It's up to you to make the Olympics, right? Yeah. But up until that point, like, how are we working together, you know? Um, because there's a, at least 15 in each group, you know? And, and I see myself as somebody who has a little bit of, of, of experience. So... You know, for example, with Mary Peck, like, is she going to lift as a 63 or a 69? Like, maybe that should be coming from our high performance side or, like, not just me. Like, hey, Mary, like, the total is almost the same. Like, I just had a little Instagram back and forth with Amy Everett, who's a friend of my wife's, who's doing a great job with Jessica Lucero. And I said, hey, if you look at the third place total, they're the same in the 58s and the 63s. Why doesn't Jess lift at 61 kilos like she did at the Worlds and just, like, get her feet back under her after a tough Worlds? And then, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see enough of that top-down, like, hey, let's yeah. get everybody on the same page. And, like, okay, if we know that Jess is lifting at 63, Mary should lift as a 69, like, yeah. for Team USA, right? Like, hey, this is what the team wants. Now, obviously, it's America, right? And you, yeah. You can do what you want with it. But if Mary Peck then decides to lift as a 63, that's on her. That's not on USA Weightlifting. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm very excited by the ability that everybody has and the growth in terms of them becoming talented. I really hope we have some some direction, right? Yeah. And like Mike Gatone. Mike Gatone did a really good job when he was working with my wife in 2000 and what was that? 2008, 2009, 2010 to really he kind of set the table with this push for the youth. Right. So if you look at who the youth were back then, those are your top senior lifters now. Some yeah. of them. Right. At least from our area, Donovan, yeah. and Ian and, and, and D'Angelo. And if D'Angelo wasn't there, West Kitts wouldn't be as good because he wouldn't have anybody breathing down his neck and vice yeah, versa exactly and that's 
coincidentally when like CJ and Harrison started lifting. They started lifting when they were 11, like six years ago. So yep. whatever, 2010, 2011. So, you know, it's not my job to do, but I'm yeah. always pushing for like, what's the plan? Well, that's, I always I mean, want more communication versus less. There's no well, reason I'm doing a podcast with you for an hour and not have the ability to hear from USA Weightlifting, which they, which I do sometimes. But like, hey, let's sit down and have a conference call with, with. We didn't have a conference call for the World Championships. Yeah. What's the plan for Team USA? I'm just worried about Jenny Arthur. Like that's not cool. I yeah. want to help everybody. Yeah. Right, like, well, that, and that's the thing I think that people get all caught up in. You get caught up in expectations and what people are going to do at the end of the year or at the end of the quad, but they that starts don't. Now, well, exactly. I was going to say they don't think about all the things that have to go into planning for this. That's definitely, that's definitely an interesting uh, take on things. That's, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's something I didn't even think about because I was just thinking about how many spots we're going to have, how many potential, you know, uh, lifters yeah. we'll have for both the men's and the women's team. It's all individual, right? So the yep. team component is lost, but the team component is still important to get everybody better. Well, I was going to say the team component's, you know, critical to getting those individual spots. Like, no, I mean, so now it's changed, Tom. Oh, really? You have to be, it all is individual qualification. So you could have seven bomb outs for Team USA, and whoever doesn't bomb out do well, they're still going to the Olympics. You have to be in the top 14. So on the women's side... Everybody was in the top 14 this year. It's not going to stay that way. I mean, all those countries are going to come back. I would say there's four women, and it's a maximum of four. There are four women that will have a chance. And who those four women are, you know, obviously Sarah Robles, Maddie Myers. I mean, Maddie Rogers have a leg up because they won a medal. Jenny Arthur is banging on the door at the the medal. But you never know, like, who else is going to come through, what the new weight classes are. Allie Ludwig and Marissa Klingseis did great. The 48s did awesome. Alyssa Ritchie did great, you know, and you have young girls like Jordan Dela Cruz and Megan Seeger. And then, like, you know, Shakasia Johnson is a 75 who's like back squatting 180. Like, you know, there's tons of fish in the pond. Like, where are we steering them to? Yep. You know, so, right. anyways, I'm excited. I'm excited yep. to be a part of it. I, hopefully, you know, people. I just want people to have a discourse, right? Every time I open my mouth, it seems like, you know, people don't want to hear it, but it's like, hey, guys, I think I have, personally, I think I have a lot at stake, right? We had people, you know, at the last, you know, in 2012, Chomo almost made it, and then I was involved with Jenny Arthur making it in 2016, and then, you know, like, it's like that took, two quads to put together you yeah. know like so i'm this is my fifth quad like let's go like let's do it you know like i had we had four lifters at the olympic trials yeah like like come on man like let's do it you know let's do it exactly so all right so we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and then we're going to okay. go ahead and move on to the lightning round a little-known fact about Hand Armor Chalk is that the owner, Tony Mattalone, is a former college strength and conditioning coach. Besides having years of experience working in the trenches to create a product like Hand Armor, his idea for his patent-pending formula came out of necessity. Back in his coaching days, he had a few athletes with autoimmune issues that trained alongside the other athletes. Given their health issues, he needed a way to cut down on the spread of germs, and if you've ever been inside a college weight room, you know how tall of a task that can be. 
Tony set out to create a product that not only can be used individually by his athletes, but was also antimicrobial. Hence, Hand Armor Chalk was born. So whether you're a germaphobe or you're just looking to keep your gym a bit cleaner, go to handarmorchalk.com, check out all the products they have to offer, and get yourself some. Most athlete codes get you 10% off their purchases, but if you use code AGENDA, A-G-E-N-D-A, you save 15% off your Hand Armor order. So go with the Chalk of Champions and choose Hand Armor Chalk for your gym. All right, so lightning round questions. These have nothing to do with anything. I'm just going to ask you, uh, we'll go with three questions. Just Perfect. give me the first answer that pops up in your head, okay? First off, who's winning in a fight, Batman or Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Spider-Man, why? You're going to give me a why? Uh, he'll be able to move around Batman and then use his spider web to to end up like putting Batman at a strategic, uh, strategically negative situation. There you go. Oh, you're all about the stats and everything like that. Um, if you were a WWE wrestler, what would your name be and what would your walkout song be? Oh, wow. Um, it would have to, the walkout song would have to be something from like 50 Cent, like the In the Club, the In the Club <laughs> song for 50 Cent. <laughs> I love that song. All and right. then uh, my name, oh my God, um, Dangerous Doherty. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down with Dangerous that. D. Dangerous, Dangerous D. D. There you go. All right. All right. And then the last question I'll give you. If you had to remove one state from the union, which one would it be and why? Oh, wow. Like you just had a button, like you had a map of the United States sitting out there. Okay. And all you got to do is just push a state and it is automatically removed from the union, from existence. Which one and why? Okay. That's going to have to give me like two or three seconds there. Yep. You do. You. Um, Wow. Idaho, because Idaho is like almost like Montana, Washington anyways. Fair enough. Just you're not doing the smallest population. You're not doing anything to distinguish yourself, Idaho. So step it up. Otherwise, (laughs) Coach Doherty's going to get rid of you. All right. Um, For those who are trying to find you, where can people find you at on social media, on the interwebs? Where can they get a hold of you? Um, I mean, I think uh, with the way it's going, the easiest is um, Instagram, right? So hassle-free bbc or at hassle free bbc and then um all my personal information is on there like cell phone email um Mm -hmm. facebook like you message me on facebook i'm on facebook i get the messenger i'm old so for all the old people facebook and um and then all the young people instagram and then um uh you could email the school i mean it's there's a million different ways, but Facebook cool. and then Instagram. So Facebook, it would be me, Kevin Doherty, and you just try to find Kevin Doherty weightlifting and try to find out who we are. And then Instagram, you can send me a message. Um, it usually pops up with a little red button on there, and I, yep. I, I do a pretty good job. There's two of us on the Instagram account. So, um, And then we have a Squarespace, hasslefreebarbell.com. Cool. Cool. We'll make sure we include all that in the show notes. Kevin, thank you very much for being on. Um, uh, There's a ton of information, a lot of thought-provoking stuff in here, so I really appreciate it. Um, Good luck with the rest of this year. Yeah, I'll Uh, see you at the Arnold, right? Yes. uh, No, I will not be at the Arnold. I'll probably be there in some form or fashion, but I won't be there for weightlifting. Okay. I usually You'll be around. I'll be around. Yeah, we'll see you definitely. Yeah, come by and say what's up. Absolutely, man. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation. 
Access the show notes and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.